gone on this set. And the Tigers defending stoutly. And here's Norman with a kick. French flies. He's got the ball down, has he? Oh, yes. Yes, Bevan French likes it. Pritchard away to Norman. Out to Moses. He gets the ball away. There's another four-pointer or did it go forward? What's the touch he say? He said, no, it's okay. It's a try for Michael Jennings. Ma'u. And they go to that short side. It's a try for Takarangi. Which Kaiser Pritchard once again follows the ball all the way down. Manu Ma'u pops it out and comes up with the opportunity to push Takarangi in the corner. 22 out. Take a good kick. It's there. Moses converts. And here's Norman. Ooh. Touch and go. Terrapo. 12 out. One-handed pick up. Pritchard. It's gone out from Norman. He's over, Mahu. Now to Lawrence. Got it back to Eisenhoof. Now it's gone back to Brooks. Now it's out to Nagama. There's space in front of Fanua. No, he's gone back and lost the ball. It'll be play on. It's gone to Alvaro for Parramatta. So that is game, set and match. Thank you, linesman. Thank you, ball boys. Welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. This week I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? 40. Ahoy, hoy. Am. Yep, still here. And um, unfortunately, we were going to have Ricky, but he's having a bit of technical issues, and PM is out. He's looking after the kids. He's on dad duty. So um, let's jump straight into it. Uh, just to throw a spanner in the works, we won't do the news first. We'll jump straight into the first grade review. Eels 24, West 22, tries to French. Michael Jennings, Takaregi, Manu Ma'u, with th- three from four conversions for Mitch Moses and one from one penalty goals, which was the difference at the end of the day, even though our, our resident um, Ham doesn't like penalty goals at all. Nah, starting, starting a Twitter trend, hashtag ban the penalty goals. Everyone get behind it, please. I hate them. <laughs> All right, so five lead changes throughout this game. Edge of the seat stuff, um, yeah, and and pulled it out of the fire for the win at the end of the day, and this was what our season was built on last year and um, in parts in 2016 as well. Great effort from the boys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. really, really good effort, wasn't it? Yeah, it reminded me exactly of what we did last year, you know. Um, we did we did outplay them in every aspect, but, you know, they're a fairly good defensive team this year, and we just seemed to be able to come away with the wind. Um in the last uh, 10 minutes or so with that Manu try. So, yeah, definitely um, getting back to what what we played like last year and uh, just getting those wins somehow. Yeah, I think that's the important thing is that West are obviously a pretty handy team this year. Uh, I know they're missing a few players through the middle, so were Parramatta. But the game got down to the championship minutes. You know, you enter that sort of final 15-minute bracket of um, of play and West got ahead and we didn't drop our heads. You know, that Mahe Fanua passed the Benji, had that little bit of a dubious put down. But um, they, they got ahead and, you know, if that had been three weeks ago, we're out of the game. There's no way we're, um, we're coming back from that. But uh, we, we just made play after play offensively and defensively. And it was fitting that Manu and Keza really closed out that game uh, once in a possession with Manu crossing through Benji. And, you know, Keza on the flip side when he laid out uh, 
Josh Alloway with that cracking hit on the ball. So really, really good signs for the team. It wasn't perfect. Still plenty of rust and, and scrappiness in that game. But it, it, that definitely signals an upwards trajectory for the team. And between this week against Cronulla and last week against West, I think they're two of the most important games as we enter the midway, uh, midway point of the season because you get those two under your belt and you've got a real chance of going on a run here. You could, um, you could see, you could see when the players, um, they forced an error. They were all like pumped, you know, hyped. Yeah, really good point. Backslapping each other, like it's it's really good to see that, you know. And um, yeah, it's like they're they're happy. They're happy again now. And also on that point, um, uh, King Gutherson, Captain Gutherson, uh, riding the referees for penalties and uh, getting them awarded as well. Uh, really good to see a a captain coming out there and who seems to have a rapport with the referees and a sway over some of their decisions, um, which we certainly haven't had in the past. And that's no um, knock on Tim Manor. He's a different sort of uh, captain, but um, great to see from from the King. Um, and I'll just quick, quickly run through some stats, which saw possession 53% to Eels, uh, completions 80% for the Eels, which we had a total of 41 sets, uh, one penalty goal for us, two for the Tigers, uh, all runs, 173 it says for us, but less metres than the Tigers who had 20 less runs than us. They had a few more that line breaks, right? They? But, but they, they had a few more line breaks that, than us, not like anything huge, but they're probably getting a couple more chunk, you know, meterage plays. So uh, yep. I'm not sure. That is a bit of an odd number, but this, the stati- this is an off, off the cuff sort of thing here. Uh, if you notice that the statisticians have been really like off this year, NRL.com hasn't been keeping their num- numbers consistently for access. And the, the, you know, different publications have all got wildly varying numbers for, you know, tackles and run meters and whatnot. So yeah, again, these are coming off NRL.com. Uh, four line breaks to Tigers had six. They they seem to um, chance their arm very early in sets and and do those big shifts from either side. And just on that point, George Jennings, uh, he was fantastic on that wing, and he seemed to shut down a lot. Uh, Mahe Fanui was having a great game, and was it Isan Masters that was inside of him? Isan Masters yeah. was playing on yeah, the right. right. And um, six offloads to twelve. We had more kick meters, less tackles by twenty eight. Uh, 25 missed tackles to 43 for the Tigers. And again, our discipline, five penalties to nine. But there were a few more errors, 12 to 10. But I think a lot of those errors sort of um, came on the back of uh, forced errors yeah, on both sides because that, the defense just smashed right. each other. Yeah, that that is a really fair point there is that it wasn't so much unforced errors as you often see. There was just some really brutal hits from both teams. Uh, speaking of brutal hits and, you know, Kays of Pritchard putting on one for Josh, Allaw- Josh Allaway and um, Luke Brooks, I didn't get to speak to him about him last week, but how good is Kays of Pritchard playing? Uh, well, I mean, know, uh, we, is, we've been this saying is what online. we expected from him from the Yeah, 20s. exactly. This is this is the kid that you saw coming out of the National Youth competi- uh, Competition, which was, he. I think he played, uh, did he play in the Toyota part of it? Or was just Holden? Anyway, he played uh, in the NYC. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he was an absolute star in that age group. Captain New South Wales 20s, um, you know, was a fearless defender, smashed guys that were twice his size, laid on plenty of tries, was dynamic around the ruck. And then, you know, he, he got that one game in 2013 against the Cowboys, uh, where Vitaltai bombed the, um, the, uh, trum, the game we were in the corner, I'm pretty certain. And that was his, like, you know, sole taste of first grade for a while. And just, he was bogged down by injuries and it, it felt like he was regressing at, you know, at points, but he's, you know, stayed healthy. And this last two weeks, that's the player that was, you know, sort of promised um, in those those earlier years. And he's looking fantastic. You know, he's keeping his head up around the ruck when there's a fast play of the ball. He's jumping out of dummy half and really tearing up the middle. 
And, you know, he showed a little bit of um, Nelson on Sunday setting up a trial to. Yeah, um, you know, you always try and look for something that changes in their game that makes them, or especially in cases, players play a lot better than what we've come to expect from him. Um, I've noticed he doesn't rush up in defense as much. He still puts on the big hits like we saw, and he still can rush up in defense where he put on the shot on Brooks. But he's not, you know, one one outing him like being the... Um, what would you call it, a, a, a sprint, a sprint, sprinting up in defence? Could that, you know, yeah, you're not sh- shooting up. That's it. Um, well, I hope he wasn't shooting up at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, you know, taking that little bit, um, a bit of a lesser approach in defence. You know, I think we've seen that's what the reason why we've seen more out of out of him in attack, and it's been absolutely fantastic. Well, that that's one of the real, you know. Uh, fair criticisms of him in, in the past has been that he hasn't paced himself well, uh, at least in the jump to senior football. And maybe uh, in doing that, in you know, sort of taking his time in defense and, and allowing himself to keep, you know, keep his fitness up a little bit more, just by not being so, um, you know, kamikaze and and crazy with his defensive um application, he's better paced himself to play across the eighty minutes when required, which happened on Sunday. I mean, his play was so good. It, it it wasn't perfect. He had a couple, you know, iffy moments, including the um the the defensive miss on Isam Masters in the first try, and then the uh he ran the ball on the last at one point in the first half, which was you know wasn't the correct option, but he sort of caught fire at the period where you're expecting Brad Arthur to inject Will Smith, and you know, and to Brad Arthur's credit, he he didn't you know take away a guy that was starting to influence the game. He let him play it out, you know, rode the hot hand. And, you know, Kayser was one of the two keys to victory for us, along with Manu Mo. I thought, um, yeah, his, his attacking game is, uh, his running game has improved the last two weeks, you know, like. Oh, immensely He's booted. not running straight, you know, like, he's just. Like, you saw with that try he set up, or not set up, what was it? Might have been. Was it, I can't remember. He did a sort of like a step. The Brad Takarangi try, where he um, got the offload from Manu and then yeah, sort of skipped it. across. That was the one, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, he got, like, you know, he's. Um, that his footwork is improved, so it's um. I just thought you know, everyone's improved, obviously, the last two weeks. But I thought Kaysa was, you know, I, I put down after watching the game the replay, Manu was the best and Kaysa, but yeah, you could flip a coin between the two players, and I, I wouldn't blame you for picking Eva for man of the match. I think with Kaysa, it's kind of like I don't know if someone sat him down and told him, but it's like, son, you are in the top five fastest players across forty meters in our club, and you're a little nugget too. You know, you got plenty of wiry strength. You know, when the opportunity is there, just get out there and run. And I mean, I don't know if that's been told to him or if he's sort of um had it, you know, a, a revelation himself. But it's like, holy shit, this guy is a mini Isaac Luke or Damian Cook or any sort of you know other premier running hooker. Obviously, he's not necessarily as good as them right now, but he's got the tools and he's starting to realize it. So you know, you don't need him running all the time and overriding his halves. But you know, it, it augments your forward pack so much when you've got a dummy half that can see there's a opportunity to exploit the market defense and, you know, in behind the ruck, behind the AB guys, and, you know, get 12 or 15 meters and a fast play the ball. And just in the post-game, uh, I believe Gutherson referred to uh, Kayser as a um, lunatic. So be assured that that'll come up <laughs> if we do lose Ham, another game this season. Ham and I have told Kayser directly to his face that he's a lunatic. Yeah, and um, he loved it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, after the, it. <laughs> after a Penrith trial, I think two years ago, the 2016 trial it might have been when he was playing reserve. The one where he knocked himself out. Yeah, and, um, he he absolutely murdered Sam McKendry twice, and we said, "Mate, you are crazy. You you are dead set lunatic." And he just laughed. And I mean, and Brad, Brad Brad made a fair point that you need to sort of temper that 
Um, you don't need him hurting himself and, you know, and exhausting himself either way. But, uh, if he can learn to hone that aggression and, you know, that, that sort of, uh, unselfless or the, sorry, the unselfish, the selfless nature that he has in defense and, you know, get him to channel it and focus it the right way. You know, you got a guy that can turn games on the on its head, not just in possession, but by attacking the ball in defense. All right. So, uh, whilst it wasn't a perfect uh, game of football, there was that toughness and tenacity back, uh, the willingness to to play for the full eighty, and to come up with the result, um, especially in the last couple of sets there, where you know it was going back and forth. They could have uh, dropped their discipline and given two points to tie up the match down in our own end. Um, but they didn't. They kicked long, um, and they, they found, took the ball out. found an extra gear in defense. You know, obviously there was a Kayser hit on Josh Alloway, but then Mitchell Moses, you know, went on, went after uh, Mahe Fenua down that right edge, uh, and you know, enforced an error which nearly saw Paul Alvaro scoop it up and score. So the hustle in those last fifteen minutes to wrestle back the lead and then close it out was fantastic. No, nah, um, great, great, great for the boys. Getting two two more points on the board. Two wins so that's outside the two eight, and six boys. records now. Two wins outside the eight. Uh, still, unfortunately, on the bottom, but tied with three other teams. And the only one um, trending so, up out of those teams as well. It's um. Well, that's there's right. some ugly companions in that group down the bottom. I tell you what. Um, so things don't look as dire, but as Forty's uh, touched on before, five games margin of error. Um, so they just need to keep racking up those those wins. And, yeah, that's right. Um, hopefully get, they can continue on a bit of a run. Get wins in chunks, and then you can afford to lose the odd game. And that that's the secret to getting to the finals from here. Let's touch on the ISP, which saw uh, another revenge to a match with the Wentworthville Magpies winning this one, 26-6 against Wenty Magpies, who were first or second place coming into this game. Uh, tries to the King again, Hoffman with two, and Vave, uh, four from four conversions uh, to Nathan Davis. So we didn't get to see this because it was almost at the yeah, same time awful, as first grade. Um, but it seems like they had a great hit out and they uh, they had a bit of revenge for the last game. Well, they're on a three-game winning streak now. And in that period of play, they've beaten two top four teams and uh, the team that you know dropped 40, I think it was 46 unanswered points on them in round two in Blacktown. So they're obviously playing some pretty handy football. Um, it's no thrills because if you saw the um, win over Penner, if it wasn't pretty. But, you know, they've rolled up their sleeves and they're smashing teams off the park through the ruck. And that sort of tough football has been emulated in first grade. And it's good to see all of our major grades, you know, sort of turning it around psychologically and, you know, playing good, honest football. And so, just um, on that, in the um, the the match highlights that we've got a chance to see, Birdie, uh, your man, Murata. Nice little try assist. Yeah, I, I saw the replay after 40 posted in the Discord. So straight away I... Uh, Commented saying we should, you know, give him a go first game. It can happen, you know. And then someone replied back saying, um, "I think he led to the try." So I was a bit quiet then after that. <laughs> well, uh, in, in a bit of other news, he made 162 meters, the second most for Wenty. 63 post weekend. contact meters in that 162 yeah. as well. Um, actually, looking at the numbers, it's pretty interesting. Nathan um, Malone, Malone. I always forget how to pronounce it. The West Tigers junior that's ended um, ended up finding his way to Wenty this year. Had a, a spectacular game, 13 runs, 201 meters, 52 That's post-contact it. meters. So he's obviously made a line break after getting hit at some point and made a you know huge chunk of change. Um, Dane Ackerflow had a pretty handy game, 14 runs, 154 meters, 71 post-contact meters. There's some big numbers there, right? It's from yeah. 121 meters from a halfback. That's pretty ridiculous That's for a huge. halfback. Yeah. yeah. But he he is built like a back row, to be fair. Tomatis yeah. uh, is a you know a solely built boy. 
Um, yeah, there's some good numbers there for um, for our first grade potential. And just like, you know, just looking looking at the the Ford numbers, there's you know, Vave had 134 meters, Ray Stone had 83 meters, Brad Dietz, who's like you know, you know, utility hooker slash half, had nearly 80 meters. So, uh, you know, there's there's guys gaining chunk meterage across the team. Everyone's sort of sharing the load. And, you know, it's obviously reflected in the fact that they've won three big games and, you know, they've got, they're, they're sitting on 10 points now with an awful for and against because of a couple of those early hidings. I think they're at like negative 40 for and against, but they're one win behind first place. I think it is. There, yeah, yeah. there's like three teams on 10 points from, um, or three or four teams on 10 points and Wenty's got a, you know, a share of that real estate. So they've put themselves right back into the hunt. And that's fantastic. And, you know, the, the NRL guys come back and play great football. The, the reserve graders themselves have lifted. And, you know, they're, they're obviously a few playmakers short of being, uh, probably, you know, a, a special pick in a big game. But, you know, the, the, we'll get to this later, but there's some um, interesting pieces added this week because of the Jersey flag buy. And if, you know, things go well there, maybe they can have a, a longer influence on this team. Does that mean, uh, Kalis can coach now or? Yeah, there was a lot of talk about him after that went uh, West mean, game that he's not the right coach. And- that's it's a fair question, but you know the most pleasing for me is the fact that you know across the last two years, Wenty have really struggled to close out games. They've you know often held commanding leads against premier teams that you know were the the number one or number two team in the competition. I recall last year we were hosting uh, the then feeder team for Roosters uh, Wyong, and they've obviously switched allegiances now. But we were up. What was it, Ham? Was it up twenty six to six or something? With something like twenty minutes ago, like that. it was it was ridiculous. We we played them off the park in the first sixty minutes, and we got run down. And it was just you know it was like hand and head sort of stuff in the stands. Like, is this really happening? So the and you know we were showing signs that again this year early on. But the you know whether you know Chaos has found the um the miracle rev up technique or whether the players have you know sort of taken a little bit more onus on themselves to you know own the team and. And win through the middle, and then create opportunities for their guys out wide. Uh, whatever the combination is, they've you know they've done fantastically well across the last three weeks, and it's something they should absolutely be aspiring to to sort of play out for the rest of the season. All right, let's move on to the flag, which also saw an Eels win. And just touching on that, Eels wins in every single grade, and with the women having a bye, they didn't get handed a flogging. So great work from the club. Um, Eels in the flag, Eels 25 to West 13, a try to Afu, Salmon, Kafusi, Parry, and Kepi, and three from five conversions from your man, Reed. The man with the plan. Yeah, um, I was out there for this one, and went, went, uh, not Wentz, Parry should have um, blown them away in the end. It's just, with the amount of talent that we have, we just sort of, it seemed like we coasted too much, and then uh, West's uh, come back and scored two late tries, which flattered them in the end. But really, we should have been putting the foot on the throat. Um, Sean Kepi scored a try early in the second half, and I thought that's when, you know, that's when we should have put the blowtorch on to and break the back. Yeah, yeah, and just you know, look to score some points and everything. Um, yeah, it, it just it just sort of fizzled out in the end, and there's a bit of there's the ref was it was a bit like first grade where he was allowing players to lay in the ruck and. You know, there was short tens here and there, and it, it didn't, it didn't open, its, um, didn't allow, the game didn't allow itself for attacking football, uh, because the referee, uh, wasn't allowed, wasn't penalizing players for getting off, um, in the ruck. So, yeah, that, that could be a potential, um, 
the reason why there wasn't many points scored from us. Uh, one big thing was Jamin Salmon. Uh, first time I've seen him in an Eels jersey, and I've said before I don't think he's going to be a half. But boy, did he play well as a half in this game. Yeah, he's, um, he's a kid that you just want to get the, his hands on the ball, isn't it? Like, yeah. And you know, um, obviously in 20s, you can afford to do that. Enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, as a first grade prospect, if he is going to play as a half. Um, in first grade, I can see more centers um, with his build, with his, he's such a strong runner of the ball. He's, he's um, going to draw comparisons to Jack Bird, I think, as he gets closer to first grade. Yeah, because 100%. of the, the fact that he's a Cronulla junior. And I know, I know Bird's not a, a Cronulla junior, but he made his name at Cronulla. So old school lock, was that the question? Oh, I, I mean, um, it, depending on how team, teams would like to deploy them in the, relative to their forward pack, it could absolutely be an old school lock. But I, I, wouldn't, I, tend wanna, to, I wouldn't want to, um, drag him down with the defensive work. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been told that he's talented enough to play fullback. So he can play like through the entire back line, essentially, right into the back row. So he's a pretty handy guy to have in your team. If something goes wrong, you can throw him around wherever you need to. But I, I tend to agree with Ham in the sense that long-term, the best projection is probably center, maybe 5'8", if you had a really dominant halfback and you just wanted someone to you know run strongly down an edge and you know be the off-playmaking uh, option. Don't get me wrong, he's still got a lot of... Um playmaking abilities he put yeah. on a, a perfect spiral pass right to left onto the chest of um Noel Lockerfeller which sent him down near the sideline um so he's got I just yeah it's just there's something about him that I think center will suit him uh in 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 his short term at first grade he might because he's, he's similar size to Gutherson just a bit shorter I think he's got the same sort of body type and yeah he's probably he's probably got an inch or two maybe less on than Guffo but he's a very athletic like chap he's one of those guys that would have been a star across multiple codes yeah um, and you know as man you know he's been the bane of our existence in the junior reps yeah he's, um, <laughs> he's locked horns of our team several times and through Matts and SG ball and you know turned the tide nearly nearly sort of single-handedly pulled Cronulla back into the the 2017. 2017 SG Ball Grand Final last last yeah, yeah. year, yeah, last year. So, so who's who's responsible for bringing him to Parramatta? You reckon it was BA or it would have been like it would have been Anthony Field, Field is our yeah. our sort of yeah. guru in the junior the junior reps and uh, sorry the 20s down. I have no doubt that Brad Arthur's presence at Parramatta would have played a portion in getting him across. You know, it was was a good sell to come across the Parramatta at the end of 2017. Um, obviously, our start in 2018 didn't quite translate to our expectations, but the boys are. Know, turning it around um, in the top grade now, but because you know. it'll be interesting because you know Brad Arthur's had his uh, different opinions with you know Madison and Fuimono with what position yes he'd like yeah, to the, play. The, so it'll the, be interesting to see what he would like um, Salmon you know in the future. From from my understanding, I think that Jamin has a much more open mind to where his um, NRL career sort of best projects positionally. Um, I know that with Ryan with our um, Maddo that. Parramatta, I believe, wanted him to convert the back row, and he saw himself as a half, and obviously there was a parting of the ways. He went to the Roosters. They told him much of the same, and he made the transition, and he's obviously now doing really well. He's a you know first-grade um, caliber back row with you know, upside to maybe, maybe more than that. And with Tyrell, he's injured he's at the moment. He's a fantasy gun as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, with Tyrell, is he injured at the moment? Because I know he, he did really well in the preseason uh, for Souths, I, but he did have a preseason injury, but I think now he's just playing for the um in the ISP. So yeah, so um, with Tyrell, yeah, unfortunately you know, for him, he was an athletic phenom 
and <clears> it was a, a junior star for us. And unfortunately, you know, it just didn't work out for, you know, and sometimes as you've seen with Madison and Fumiano that a parting of the ways is the best possible thing to ignite their career and, you know, get them to put in that much more when it comes to their new club. So with Jamin, I'm pretty optimistic of where, you know, he's going to be, uh, in a sort of mindset sort of way. And I'm sure Ham probably agrees here. Um, he's, you know, really sort of taken to first grade training at Parramatta. Um, yeah. So, and where he ends up, it, it's going to be hard to tell. Center's probably the best projection, but you never know. All right. And some very positive news in the Harold Matthews. The Eels were victorious 36 to the Knights 12 with tries to Penasini Loizu. Loizu? Loizu? Loizu. Either way you want to pronounce it. Lloyd, Mateo, uh, and Tito, and six from six conversions. Uh, now, all of those points were scored in the first half, uh, all 48 of them, and it was a shutout second half. So, <laughs> yeah, well, um, NSWRO, um, yes, that set keeping's a little bit shanky. A little bit yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. that's incorrect. A couple of times. Um, the halftime score would have been 20 something. We were down. No, 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 no. Um, Newcastle were up 12 6. They scored three tries, there all unconverted. That's right, yeah, because we, we had a bludger of first half, didn't we, Ham? Yeah, yeah. yeah we and just, then we, um, we put the nitro on in the second half. We just went away from what was working. There was, um, in the first half, we were running directly up the middle, whether it be three or forwards. Our winger, Komalafi, who made a, a 40 metre break on a scrum. Um, we're running right up the middle. We get to their twenty. We get to their opposition twenty, and we're looking to shift out wide with no inside runners. And we're playing ourselves out of it. We weren't working towards our strength, which is our eight, ten, and thirteen. Um, we weren't using them at all um, in the first half inside their red zone. Come the second half, you now we're putting on a few plays where we like this play where um, we have our three props. Uh, shift it and then get to the other side of the field just with the three passes and then we get there and we hit we hit on the basically on the edge there um started to do that in the second half and we opened them up they had no answer to us yeah um i mean you mentioned them without the name but um trey mooney peter tatio and uh caleb tohi were the sort of the dynamic you know three middle forwards that we have in the team um and i think you can grab it they haven't po- have they posted the highlights yet they have one on twitter if you know, yeah, Twitter. But, uh, along with um, along with that try, they had the the highlights linked on there. There you go. So if you get on there, you can see Peter Tatio score a you know a great <laughs> an absolute a, barnstorming a try. great individual try <laughs> where the fullback wanted no part of trying to tackle this you know nuggety prop four that was like you know running it full tilt. He ended up getting um, he got turnstiled like not just like the guy ran past him like a turnstile. He got put into the spin cycle and um yeah, and dropped on the was- ground. I think everyone, um, he, his step was a prop step where he just put the left foot down and accelerated even harder into the fullback. And everyone in the crowd just went, ooh. <laughs> everyone knew exactly what was going to happen there. So, yeah, good good on the big fella for uh, scoring two there. Now, I think we've mentioned it in the past, uh, but a, a real sneaky good part of his team is um, the fact that they've got a real ace goal kicker. Um, Sean Russell is, Sean Russell, um, yeah. you know, uh, like a really good striker of the ball off the tee. And he went, uh, I think we mentioned it, but he went six for six in five conversions. Five actually. Oh no, Peter Tatio, that's right. Peter yeah, Tatio, <laughs> that's right, demanded that he get a shot at Cole. Yeah. And I'm um, knocked, knocked it over. But yeah, um, if you happen to catch the highlights, you'll see the first try in particular, um, is scored on our left wing and, you know, it's right in the corner and, um, 
Sean Russell just he had no problems kicking. He's got such a good style. Queen, queen action. You see, just, um, yeah. you see a lot of you know as, as they develop further and everything, goal kickers they'll start to copy a bit of thirst and they've got a bit of curve, a bit of swing on their kicks. His kicks are dead straight. There's yeah. <laughs> there's no deviation in it. Even even when he misses, it's usually just to the um to the post. Yeah, it's just to the left or the right of the uprights. Um, so. But yeah, he's absolutely fantastic goal kicker, and for a 16 year old to be kicking. From the sideline regularly, um, you know, you, you got to applaud him for that. Yeah, ice cold, got vang, uh, got pure ice <laughs> running. And moving on to the last two matches of the week, which was Ron Massey Cup getting a win 18 over Penrith Brothers 16. I saw Bo Henry picked up a try in this match, so I'm um, not sure what his contract situation is, but possibly he comes back to first grade sometime soon. <laughs> Bo knows how to score a try. Um, and on to Shield, Wenty won 46 over 6 to the brothers. Um, Guildford Owls, they had a draw. Um, so positive results all over um, for those uh, Eels matches with wins in every single grade. Um, now we'll jump into some news. First item on the agenda is, um, to Ham's great delight, the touch football uh, oh. teams have been uh, named. Do I, do I smell a rant in coming? With oh, men's... Nah. men's <laughs> with <laughs> Not worth the energy. <laughs> no. It's, just, it's oh, maybe. Yep, okay. It's just... Can, like, can, it's can just, I just announce uh, what it is first before you get, before yep, you get into it? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> So it's a touch football premiership which commences in round 11 on Friday the 18th of May. Now, there's 12 touch teams in total, which is six women's teams and six men's teams. And the Eels uh, have a women's and a men's team in both of them. So the branding, including uniforms, will align with the Parramatta Eels wait, 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 wait. They've got a women and a men's team in both competitions. So one in one, one in each competition. You know <laughs> no, what I mean? Just, yeah, sorry. Just, just had to be a dick. I'm sorry. All right, now him, get back into firing up. <laughs> this it's it's not a path to first grade. So why is this? I've got no problem with the competition and the NRL uh, promoting a touch football competition. I think it's fantastic. I think you know I th- I believe there is a better uh, a better uh, pathway with league tag, where it's closer to um, the game of rugby, like a physical game of rugby league rather than touch football, which yeah, the, the is just running are, up and down. Much more aligned. That's right. Yeah, I played I played touch football from when I was twelve to about fifteen. Uh, it's, it's I was just running up and down for a for a kid my size, and I was a big kid. It was you know it was a good fitness thing, but for rugby league it was it wasn't it's not aligned. I understand why the NRL would want to promote a touch league, but having it on before, and we've been told by A and Z that we can't have our twenties or. Uh, uh, our jersey flag or um, I was about to call it Premier League then it's not it's ISP um, that's going back a bit um, we're not allowed to have them on at ANZ beforehand because it'll ruin the pitch well what have we got a touch football game on it's not a it's not a pathway to first grade I don't care about John Smith running around for Parramatta Eels in touch football I don't care about him I care about Jamin Salmon Dylan Brown Reed Marnie running around at jersey flag I can't even watch them because they've scheduled <laughs> on at the same time and, and it, as again, first grade. 
again this week when it comes to the um, ISP game where Rumani and Sam will be featuring, it's going to clash with the NRL game. And the NRL game's at 7.30. Like, how? They've dicked us around there. It would have been so easy. Leichhardt, 12 o'clock. Boom. Done at 2, 2 p.m. for the juniors. Drive down to Belmore, which is, happens to be halfway between Leichhardt and Cronulla, you know, which would have been perfect at 3. Might have ended up 10 minutes behind or whatever. Go watch that game. Then drive to Cronulla for a 7.30 kickoff. You know, it would have been easy, but no, they've dicked us around there too, and it's going to be at 6.30. People, they want people to be invested in the game, people to be invested in the players coming up, but they're not allowing us to. They, I don't know, it's a conspiracy that they... (laughs) I'll, um, I'll preface my portion of this rant with the fact that I have been told that there is a positive correlation to the NRL's, uh, partnership with touch football as far as conversion from touch football playing to uh, rugby league participation, which is really nice. But I will then go on to say that I I was a really, really disappointed when the um the Holden Cup or the National Youth Competition or however you want to um uh, call it, it's been through a few different names, uh, was disbanded. Uh, I felt like it was not necessarily the um the highest quality game when you were, you know, competed to first grade, but it was a flagship vehicle um that neither of um AFL nor soccer nor rugby union possessed when it came to um competition with rugby league. And you know, you sort of got to see a lot of the, the, the best young talent coming through. And I know perhaps logistically, you know, it wasn't worth in its, you know, current iteration wasn't worth the money that was invested into it. But to to see it and where it is right now is, you know, really disappointing. You know, it's been relegated to park football standards. Um, you know, you, you get like no one in attendance that isn't family, uh, at least that um, when there was you know a, a sort of good scheduled game uh, for the the main thing on a good day, you get you know a couple thousand people perhaps for the uh, the flag game, especially when you know you get a, a team that was in a good position. And you know now here we are in that there's a, a six thirty game at Belmore for ISP um, flags out for two weeks because they've got a two week buy in the new system, so you know there's there's no football there for a fortnight. And, you know, it's sort of the players are so, I imagine the players must feel like they're so far away from first grade because there is a huge disconnect. And this happens with the ISP as well. There's a huge disconnect between, uh, playing in a, hello, <laughs> uh, playing in first grade, um, from the two major vehicles to get there in Jersey flag and the intra super premiership. So Ham, can I take it that it was actually Todd Greenberg who shot JFK? Well, have you ever seen um, Todd Greenberg and uh, what's his name in the same room together? No. So, oh, no. Yeah. work out. Well, he yourself. got killed two days after <laughs> JFK <laughs> did. <laughs> so, there were shots from the grassy knolls and it was actually Greenberg. <laughs> well, green, grassy, grass is Ooh. green. So, <laughs> yeah, we've worked it out there, boys. All right, on to some other conspiracies. Uh, Whilst this match wasn't played on the um, Manly ground, uh, a a season-ending injury to poor T-Rex, which you'll see his opposite knee, he ruptured the ACL in. Um, So unfortunately for Rexy, he's out. That's that's the only good news for him, isn't it? That it's not the same knee. Otherwise, that's what a what a mongrel piece of luck for the big man. Yeah, he's Uh, just coming good too. Yeah, I I feel so miserable for him. On the right there. Yeah, he, he put in so hard. You know, Brad Arthur doesn't pull punches when he talks about guys putting in or not putting in. And, you know, you hear him come out and say that T-Rex was first in 
along with Quint Gufferson every day. You know, doing extras, trying to build up that knee, trying to get his cardio right, trying to keep his weight in check as he hit that KPI of 122 kgs. And, you know, to see that, he just got rolled up from behind. Like, uh, like a little bit of, like, tragic irony. It's exactly the same way that Guffer went down against the Tigers in, was it round wasn't 19 a, or round 20 last year? Wasn't it Rex that had four plays in the tackle? Wasn't it, wasn't it that tackle? Yeah, he, but he was in the tackle and then someone went low and he got That's rolled right, up yeah. over his own ankle. And it's, you know, I know Guffer made a break and was run down by Kevin Naguama and, uh, you know, from behind, but both, in both cases, they got rolled over from their ankle to knee from behind and it just caused that rupturing of the ACL. You know, real mumble like, luck. Michael Cheekam. Yeah. It was Michael and, Cheekam, not Nagama, that tackled him. No, no. Uh, so, uh, oh, Cheek, Cheekam uh, public enemy number one. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, just what terrible, terrible fortune for the big man. And like Ham was saying, you know, playing some good football. And it wasn't just barnstorming runs. If you're watching that you know, West game closely, the man was making some real tough carries against three or four defenders and making 10 plus meters. And, you know, unfortunately, just, you know, some guys... Don't have the good luck. And I hope the big man gets back. I, I hope he can recover enough that Parramatta extends him another one-year deal because I'd like to see him in our top 30. I think he's got more to offer Parramatta. Uh, but I, I can only wish him a speedy recovery because he must be in a dark place right now. Um, and just on uh, that, with ACL injuries, uh, the stats show that if you do one, you're more likely to do uh, your other knee. The reason being is your mm-hmm. um, dynamics of your running change. Yes, that's right. Um, yep. So, unfortunately for Rexy, he's out for the season. Now, there was a question on uh, League Unlimited, I think it was, um, yep. about it, other yeah. players coming back from ACLs at a similar age to T-Rex. Now, there's a fair few players that have come back from ACLs and two ACLs. Um, the last one who was quite old was Darren Lockyer, um, who came back at 31. So, it's not unheralded. But for a big man and that's, a big that's uh, second rower, that's, that's, that's what's the, the big it. difference. That's what we're going to, I mean, it, there's two ways to look at it. One is that T-Rex doesn't need to be laterally explosive like outside backs. So that's not a huge component of the recovery. Obviously, you know, being explosive is a positive trait, but he's not going to be testing his knee laterally as much as a, a winger or a center. But like you said, Hamish, on the flip side, he's also a mountain of a human being, which means there's a lot more pressure on those knees. So. If, if this, you know, means that he has to retire, I will be genuinely saddened because he was bringing something, you know, nice to this club. But if that's what it is, you know, best for his quality of life, so be it. But I hope he can get back onto the park for us in 2019. Yeah, well, it's very early. He's obviously got to go and have surgery. Um, and once he does that, then it's the long recovery, about nine months, which will see him back for the pre-season next year. Um, so fingers crossed for T-Rex. Uh, hopefully he gets back on the park. It would be great to see him back out there. He's been a positive influence on the club, both on the training paddock, off the field and on the field. Uh, even though he did have that one discretion in the preseason with his drink driving, uh, since then he's sort of tried to uh, to, to make good on that. Um, so best of luck to, to T-Rex. Um, now the last, uh, sorry, there's two other bits of news. The first one is the Dally M judge for uh, the Eels Manly oh, game, boy. where Appy Corusau was awarded one point after. You know, I think anybody that watched that game would have to struggle to give him a point. Uh, Ruan Sims, it's come out that she was playing at the same time as she was meant to be judging the award. Now, uh, as a rule for Dally M, you need to watch the match live. Um, unfortunately, uh, her 
women's game got moved from, it was earlier in the day and then got moved by the New South Wales Rugby League to later in the day at the same time as Eels v Manly. Um, what I understand usually happens in the past is then the judge would ring up the NRL, say, wait a minute, I can't do the judging because I've got to play at this time. That didn't happen. And then um, some 45 minutes after she got off the field, she put in her um, points, which just happened to correspond with Moses being the most tri-assist, getting three points, Tim Manor with the most metres, getting two points, and Appy Coruscant with one point, having the most tackles. And now that just goes to show that, you know, stats don't show everything from a game. You've got to use the eye test as well. Um, so she stood down from her position. I don't and, know if she, um, um, she looked at the stats, Hamish. Because if you look at those numbers, you would have seen that Coruscant missed, depending on where you sourced it, nine to 12 tackles and made multiple errors. But so that's if she looked at the missed tackles. That, well, that's true. You know, if, if, we're going, if we're going by this theory, that's if um, but even, you, you even, do look me, at the missed tackles section. Give me, give me one second. I'm going, to, I'm going to see if I can pull up some numbers because this is, this is <laughs> and, interesting. And um, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Ruan, no, 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 you know, no. she's made an error. Um, nobody's attacking yeah. her because no, she I, is I, a female. And that, that's it's exactly just, right. She seems to be the first judge that's just been caught out for something like this. I've got no doubt that it's happened in the past when you've seen some really bizarre decisions. Jonathan um, but I'm picking up a couple of points no. here and there. Billy when... Slater. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was going to, yeah, there's a different thing, but yeah. Yeah, you see, you see games, and even with Parramatta, you imagine that Jared Haynes been on the, the beneficiary of some of those games where, you know, we've, either we've lost or, you know, had a win where he wasn't, you know, the focal point of that victory and, you know, received a fair, like an unfair amount of Dalian points. But yeah, it's unfortunate because it does, I know that the Dalian cop a lot of flack in general because of the format, but it sort of, it further weakens the integrity of the, what should be the premier award for the game. Um, and I, I dare say that Ruan's learned from that mistake. And unfortunately, just, unfortunately it's probably going to, yeah, I was just going to say it's going to cost her long term a shot at, at, at uh, calling the Dalians, but no one should be, you know, spitting any bile towards her for her gender or for anything else. She's made the mistake. She's copped the, the penalty. Let's move on. And it, it, it should be noted that there will be a, a re-polling. Is that right, Hamish, of this game? Yeah, I think it's already been done. Greg Alexander's done it. Um, I think it was Manu Mao got three points. And No, that was a different game. No, sorry, that was the Tigers game I read. I, yeah, I'm not I quite sure. I was, I was, yeah. I wasn't sure announced. whether they were going to. Yeah, Rafael announced something. I've got, that a, there was I've got a be... proposition. What oh, would God, you think me. about not revealing the points? Like you know how they they reveal the points up until round twelve or whatever. Why don't they do it like say the AFL way and just keep it? Don't show the points at all, so it's all in secrecy. You understand? I think like, the issue is with that. I think the issue is with the betting markets. If you're going to bet on Dally, uh, sorry, on the Dally M's, they'll want to have you know sort of. At round 12, you can make an informed decision on who you think is going to get points moving forward. And, of course, they're going to get more punters in to put more money on the price. And that's the, the flip side of it. You know, you've got to keep the integrity of this award because people are betting on it. It's a betting market. So if there's no integrity in the award, well, you'd have to be a bit silly to, to bet on the market in my, my uh, eyes. But still... Um, You've got yeah, that that's the reason for one of the blow ups. Um, another is I, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who do have that streak of misogyny in them, and they see you know a woman's. Yeah. Uh, and, if you and, make you know, the mistake of looking on Twitter, there was some real nasty stuff that was sent her way. Yes, and I don't think you know Ruan. Of course, she's played the game. She's done great things for women's league. She's made a mistake. Um, everybody's ready to move on. And um, in the scheme of things, uh, to my mind, I, Dallium doesn't really mean much at the end of the day. So, 
Well, just speaking about moving on and Dalian doesn't mean much, I reckon we should just scrap the whole thing and just call them the Clinton Guthersons and call a day a day. You know? <laughs> uh, the, 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 this is a topic that sort of should be brought up in the future point is that the NRL does, does deserve a, a better class of awards. It's got, you know, sort of, there's a half a dozen different ways you can get it going, whether it's the RLPA stuff or it's the, um, Dally M stuff or any of the, you know, the media, media, um, stuff that's out there. But there is no sort of unified sort of gong that's enshrined. Um, you know, there should be a best positional player. And we're talking not just like the Dally M best prop. There's two props on a starting 13. So it should be the two best props, two best back rollers left and right. Um, repeat for centers and wings and whatnot. Um, I like the NFL model with the, uh, the, uh, all pro, uh, system where, they get, I think, I don't know how many journal, journalists and, and sort of commentators it is, but like, let's say there's 20 or 50 of them, one of the two, and they'll vote and they manage to create the best two, like the, the first team and the second team. So you got the, the top guys and then the, the guys that were the runner up, runners up in those positions. And I feel like that's probably a more honest way of, um, rewarding people over the course of, of course, of the entire year because the Dalian is prone to like the, the, the man and match sort of syndrome where it's not necessarily, a consistently outstanding player that doesn't um, get rewarded there. Um, whereas other systems also have the recency bias problem where if a guy finishes the season strong, they'll say, oh yeah, that guy was the best. So there's there's no perfect system, but I would like to see a, a new award system like sort of enshrined into the NRL that better uh, recognizes the best players across the entire 13 starting positions and maybe best interchange player. All right, and just on one other awards which happened over the weekend, which was the 25 uh, shortlist for the six new inductees into the NRL Hall of Fame. Now, it should be noted for those saying, oh, what about Sterlo, what about Kenny, et cetera, et cetera. If you haven't read up on it, the 100 best players which mark the 2008 centenary automatically get put into the Hall of Fame. So some of those players are already in there. Um, So if you're sort of scratching your head saying, you know, why aren't some of those uh, greats from the 80s in that? Um, in the Hall of Fame, that's that's your reason why. This this is a positive move for the NRL. Um, whether you like the um, Yanks or not, one thing they do miles better than us is our pageantry and celebration of their you know past legends. And for too long, the Immortals has sort of profited at the expense of the Hall of Fame. And I think the Immortals is a really cool concept where it's the the greatest of the greatest, but they've sort of neglected the Hall of Fame too much too long. And bringing that back into the spotlight's a, a good move by the NRL, so they should be applauded for that. Um, keep the Immortals as the, you know the truly special uh, sort of pantheon for rugby league, but the Hall of Fame is you know a really important part of this game, and we should be recognising the guys that were absolutely legends for their you know their own clubs in their own eras. All right, and just one last bit of news, which was the uh, Moses and Norman interviews together. I think Thursday last week. Um, so obviously they're um, not having any time for the media. Media was sort of uh, shortly lived <laughs> um, and it was more a, a, a choice of not speaking to certain sections of the media uh, who had been making up baseless rumours for the last six weeks beforehand. So Didn't you, um, didn't you see those pictures of Moses screaming at Norman at the end of the West Tigers game? It, it yeah, like I, I put it up really, on Twitter. Really, yeah. <laughs> um, so... Uh, that seems to be put to bed after two weeks. Uh, BA lost the dressing room. He found it again. Uh, he lost his bench. He, he, he I lost made his that bench. Joke it's a good joke. I like it. He lost that his bench on the weekend with um, poor Will Smith sitting the whole game. Hopefully, he'll find it again this week. 
Um, and then, yeah, we'll just go from strength to strength. And the last bit of news, sorry to drag that out, is Harold Matt's grand final will be streamed on the New South Wales Rugby yeah. League site this weekend. They're, they're uh, we'll put up links on Facebook and Twitter. Um, but if you're going to NewSouthWalesRL.com.au, and then you'll get um, that there'll be links to the live yeah, stream. Yeah, there'll be pretty the obvious weekend. prompts to get there. Um, yeah, the New South Wales RL should be commended for this. They've done it for the last few years. It's a shame that we we don't get it for more games, but the obviously the infrastructure for juniors is probably not there to warrant uh, streaming every game. But yeah, they do a pretty good job. They get a you know commentary team. They've got score overlays and all that sort of stuff. So support them because the more people that watch this is you know the more encouragement they have to launch a, a much better digital platform. And it's something that the game really needs is a you know a strong digital platform for live streaming and um, games on demand. All right, so I think that wraps up the news. I just want to move on to some last words for the Eels-Tigers match. I had some notes here that I didn't actually read. Um, so, highest-rated Fox uh, game, uh, Sunday game. So that's on Fox, not just Channel 9. Um, the attendance, 17,500. There were plenty of Tigers supporters there. There was a Tigers supporters bay over on the other side, which I think was their members go in that section. Um, they were chanting as well. And um, the TCT, yeah, West Tigers fans, they were actually pretty good when they were there. Nobody was being dickheads. It was uh, all in good jest. Um, other uh, thing I wanted to touch on was that try from uh, Brooks to uh, the forward. I'm still looking for Benji to catch that pass. Um, but Kenny, uh, I understand that was overlap on the outside. But <laughs> he, geez, was, he was out there fishing, mate. He had the line out there and was looking for something on the on the um. um to take so that again. <laughs> Again, that soft middle defence, I think, on two of their tries, uh, just the boys really need to work on that um, because that's two weeks in a row they've had their pants pulled down from, from really soft defence. Yeah, it's interesting because the the, the intensity in defence has lifted immensely in general, but they're still prone to the odd laps and it's, you know, quite costly. Against Manly, they scored twice and could have had a couple more depending on, you know, referee interpretations. And obviously the Tigers on Sunday scored a couple of um, soft tries, so... I mean, and I suppose you could argue that a better team will make you punish, you know, punish you for it. But the West Tigers were a pretty useful team as, as far as the latter is concerned. So it's like the, probably the major area in their game to tidy up, isn't it? It's just, you know, you can afford the odd soft try because this is going to happen across 80 minutes of the game, but you can't be bleeding two plus a week. Get that fixed up and you're going to have your season looking pretty good. And lastly, we said that. Tui was out so that the Tigers wouldn't be able to kick. <laughs> and then Esan Masters comes and turns around and kicks five from five. Uh, so, again, kicking was very important this game. Luckily, Moses had his uh, sharp shooting back on and um, only missed the one conversion, but that saw us take out a win with uh, 24 to 22. Um, so, again, just need to keep racking up those wins, not get too far ahead of ourselves week by week, and hopefully... By half halfway through the season, we'll be in a good position to uh, go on a run during the Origin period. Uh, I won't say that name while Ham's around, <laughs> but we might be missing some. <laughs> that's, another thing some I could, uh, that's another thing I could fire up about. But anyway, go on. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> we might be playing some affected teams at that point, so we need to get ourselves in a position to have a run now that we started the the season so so poorly. All right, well, let's run into the previews for this upcoming week of football, which will see the Harold Matthews in the grand final, which will see a replay of the week uh, one of the finals. This time we're not playing at Lotto Land. We're playing at Leichhardt at 12 p.m. Uh, Manly v. Eels. 
Uh, so we've played each other twice this season. In round two, we saw the Eels win 14-10. to And then in the first week of the finals, 24-26 to in Manly's favour, with the Eels missing a kick right on the buzzer. So another bruising encounter coming up. Oh, yeah. Plenty, plenty of feelings going to be in this game. You can count on that. Yeah, um... I think yeah, the the way mainly going to beat us if is if we uh, go down to their level with the uh, they'll want to put cheap shots on us and uh, put some niggle into the game to slow us down and they've got a huge forward pack, absolutely monster forward pack. And I think it's even bigger than what it was in round two. Um, I think they had a few injuries there. Um, so yeah, all we need to do is play up tempo and I think with our halves and our outside backs, they shouldn't be able to keep up with us. In saying that though. We've got to stay out of their game plan. We've got to play to our own game plan and just play up-tempo, play fast, quick play the balls, get out to our house, get out to our outside backs, um, who should be too, way too classy for anything they've got. They're going to, I mean, they're going to play big big forwards through the middle, you know, try and get on top of us there. So if we can um, put a lid in their forwards, not, you know, nibble on the niggle, um, you know, don't get stuck into their pace and play scrappy football and let the game break down. Uh, we should be, you know, in the box seat to win this game. Uh, we've got, you know, good forwards in our own that can challenge them once they get a little bit fatigued. We've got a couple of fantastic flankers, um, left and right with, uh, some handy centers and, uh, you know, young Arthur steering the team around. So play to your strengths, you know, don't get stuck into their, sucked into their pace, sorry. And, you know, you're going to give yourself a real chance of winning it. And just again, live streamed on New South Wales Rugby League if you can't get out to Leichhardt. But that's the first game in the uh, Junior Reps final series, which will see six different teams in all different grades. So after us, it's the Tasha Gales girls and then the SG Ball, which will be on at, I think it's four o'clock for SG Ball. Yeah. Um, so best of luck to everybody on the weekend. And hopefully the boys can get a win for the Eels in the Harold Matthews grade. Uh, the next two games are Shield and Ron Massey both have a bye, so they get to sit out for a week. Then into the women's, they are back on at 4.45pm on Saturday at Hickey's Park Rugby League Complex, which for anybody out near Penrith, it's just um, on Andrews Road there. It's next to the baseball uh, fields, so it'll see the brothers playing Wenty. Um, and good luck to the girls, but unfortunately, they're on a minus 352 points differential with zero wins. <laughs> and that's from, that's from six <laughs> games, I think. So um, best of luck to the women, but uh, yeah, what can you say, unfortunately? <laughs> um, again, their first year in the competition, so they'll only improve as the season goes on and get a bit more reps under their belt. Unfortunately, we haven't signed any of those Australia uh women's uh players. Um so they're sort of the um the 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 spooner side at the moment. Um next grade is the flag, which uh Forty touched on before, a two week bye, which will see them coming back on the nineteenth of May to play Mounties. Um so everybody in Flegg is on a break for the next two weeks. Um it's a bit strange, but you know, that's what it is with this new system since they took out NYC, which, you know, is a step backwards and shame on you, Shane Richardson. Um, into the IS. Mm. <laughs> Another rant? No, we, we already no. ranted on the NYC. But... Yeah. We, we already ranted on Flag. Now, into the ISP, which sees Wentworthville in sixth, taking on the Dogs in third Saturday night at Belmore, 6.30pm, and sees the return of two players 
Oh, actually, Jamin Salmon's first uh, game yeah, for Winky. Yeah, first ISP game, that's but, right. But the return Whereas of Red cash money to... Yeah, cash yeah. played the um, preseason and the upset victory against Penrith. Now, can we, we, we mentioned it before, can we take a second to admire how mind-bogglingly stupid it is that a 7.30 primetime NRL game somehow clashes with an ISP game? Like how? Yeah, and it was at 3 p.m. before. There was no reason to change it. How, how was there so a clash? Well. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's such a shame because, you know, getting out to see Reed and Salmon play along with a resurgent Wenty outfit against the third place Bulldogs would have been, you know, great football. Unfortunately, you know, that's out the window. That's the thing you have to, you have to question now because it was at 3 p.m. What's wrong with the 3 p.m. time slot? It works really well because people go, oh, you know what, I might, I might be able to get out there. 6.30, people are eating dinner. They're sitting down watching football already. So, you know, do they don't they obviously don't want people to go and watch these games. They don't... Traffic oh, is uh, crazy at Bankstown around 3.30. They've, uh, yeah, they've got the dogs playing um, flag at 3 o'clock at Belmore. So they've obviously prioritised flag over ISP in a rare, you know, rare occurrence of that. So, but yeah, it's, unfortunately... It's, it's mind-boggling that... This is this is happening. This is we're supposed to be supporting developing players coming up through the grades, you know. And I, you know, there's people out there that don't care, and that's fair enough. That's their prerogative. But the fans that do want to watch it, we're not getting a chance to watch it. It's it's dumb. It's dumb. Can I just say another reason might be because the Bulldogs will be in the SG Ball Grand Final at four o'clock as well. So perhaps there's some sort of clash between. I don't know. They've got, I mean, they've, they've got flag, they've got flag schedule at three o'clock at Belmore, so I think they just made the decision. But yeah, but then him. you know, talking about um, a coaching staff clash, we've got a game on at Cronulla, you know, just an hour later, where players clash. You know, our um, eighteen and nineteen yeah, that's right. might you might have been of, able to play uh, for Wembley. Yeah, at a disadvantage, that's right. Yeah, because of those rules when it comes to the twenty-four hour roster cuts. All right, I was just trying to propose a reason, but if you want to shoot me down in yeah. flames, that's that's okay. It's all right. I love you, baby. That's all good. All right, well, let's get on to first grade, which we'll see on Saturday night. The Sharks taking on the Eels in a rematch for their earlier encounter, where the Sharks... Oh, big game. Big uh, game. One try each, but the Sharks kicking three extra uh, penalty goals. Ban the penalty goals. Get it on Twitter, guys. Ban the penalty goal. Instagram, I want it everywhere. I want to see it. <laughs> MySpace, are we right? I'll run through the team list, which we'll see uh, with Dugan out with a broken bone in his foot, I think it is, um, which we'll see Valentine Holmes at fullback. Fecky and Edric Lee returns to the wing. Uh, Eddie Lee's actually been all right in the last couple of weeks. Um, Jesse Ramian and Ricky Latelli in the centres. Matt Moylan, Chad Townsend in the halves. Uh, in the uh, front row for Feeder and Matt Pryor at nine. Braley in the eleven and twelve is Capewell and Wade Graham returns to the team, and in thirteen X or former Eel Seth Paulo uh, on the interchange bench. But Jason Bakuya, James Seguiaro, Sia Manafani, and Sorensen with the extended bench of Kurt Dillon, Jack Williams, Trent Hodkinson, and Ueli, uh, which of course sees uh, their captain uh, out. Um, big old blockhead. And, of course, uh, Luke Lewis out as well. Um, then for the Eels, there's only one force change with T-Rex out, which will see Clint Gutherson fullback, French and George Jennings on the wings. Uh, Michael Jennings, Brad Takarangi in the centres, in the halves, Norman and Moses, 
uh, prop front rowers is Alvaro and Matangi retains his position after only getting 45 metres last week, which is pretty down. Um, yeah, not great for Matangi. Uh, number nine, Kaiser Pritchard in the second rows. Mau and Tep Morol returns to the squad after his head knocks and Penny Terrapo at lock. On the interchange bench, Will Smith, Kenny Edwards, David Gower and Captain Tim Manor as well. And then in the extended bench, Cam King, Bo Scott, Josh Hoffman, Murata Neokore. Unfortunately, Nathan Brown's recovery has been pushed back to round 12. The swelling in his high ankle sprain hasn't gone down. Um, so he'll be rehabbing to try and get that uh, better. But they've pushed him back to round 12 as it stands. Yeah, we've got a little bit of um, ammo coming back in round 12 now, haven't we? That's when Jared's We do. And who was the other player? Uh, Kane Evans Kane has Kane a calf Evans, injury. Yeah. Um, so just some... Uh, uh, Sharks have had the wood over us recently with four wins uh, in our last four encounters to them. Um, however, they have been not great at their home uh, stadium, the the clink over there, with losing four of their last six at um, Shark Park. Um, of course, they're missing their captain, and they're also missing uh, Luke Lewis, who's been wily for them. However, you can't take them non-seriously because Scott Sorensen and Kurt Catewell have uh, played extremely well when called on in the second row position there. Um, also, just sorry, just matches at venue. We've played 36, Sharks 22 wins, Eels 14 wins. And then uh, head-to-head overall, 84 games, Sharks 45, Eels 39. So it's all pretty close. But the boys will have to show up once again, and hopefully they've learned some lessons from earlier in the year because we can't get sucked into the Sharks. They're, they're such a tri- tricky matchup for us, aren't they? They manage to do it every time. It's the one of the few teams that just their style meshes so badly for us with how we play. So yeah, it's a bit like the um, the Harold Matthews Grand Final, isn't it? You know, don't get caught into their their yeah. pace, their play. You know, play to your own strengths, and you're going to give yourself give yourself a real shot at winning. But whatever Cronulla do, whether it's you know they're very good at sort of infringing on that ten meter mark um, as the game creeps on and whatnot. However, they do it, they just get under our skins. It's, I mean, I know Cronulla's a grubby team, but it's not like they're overly grubby to us. They just they disrupt us. They get us get us out of our our patterns, out of our rhythm, and you know they they don't never get a big lead against us. They just get enough to win, and you know we just can't run it down. They drag you into the grind and beat yeah, you absolutely. with experience. And they're, they're so damn good at it, aren't they? Like you said, they beat you with experience in that by that way of playing football. So, I, I mean, I mentioned on my blog today for Teamless Tuesday, you know, you, and I said the same thing in my Whiskey Musings yesterday. Um, this is such a pivotal game for our season because if you get past this hurdle, the sort of all of a sudden now you look at our run, it opens up. You know, you've got Canterbury. Uh, then we've got, uh, God, I say that. Warriors at home. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, all the way up until like, I think the Warriors and then Dragons at some point in origin. And, you know, you sort of can, we talk about winning games in chunks to keep that margin of error sitting at five or, you know, four at worst. You, you get this win on some Saturday night and all of a sudden you can look at maybe getting to six and six. And from there, your next loss isn't anywhere near as devastating as it would otherwise be. You know, you go six and seven or, um, uh, like eight and seven or something later down the path, and you're still right in the mix of the competition for the the postseason. Do you have anything to say, Birdie? They just piss me off every time we play them. <laughs> you know, they're just they're offside by you know by a mile. They're just you know, I just I, they're just so frustrating. You know, it's just like 
and then when you and then you when you play them at the shark park, you got the, the bloody fuckwits with the band. Like you know, it's just, oh, buddy, it's just so <laughs> annoying. Honestly, the worst thing that ever happened to this league was them win the premiership. Honestly, <laughs> it was so saw, happy hey, when they had zero premiership. It was just please, like you know what, Birdie, it's the I same need thing you, in NFL when really those comments. Anything. I need you to clarify those comments. They weren't the winners of a premiership. They were the winners of a comp. soft premiership. It was a soft comp uh, that year. <laughs> it's just, they're just so arrogant. You know, like, it just, and, and look, they're offside. Let's be honest, they're offside. They pushed, they pushed without, you know, Melbourne Storm were the king of, like, you know, bending the referees or whatever, you know, pushing them. But they're a close second. They get away with a lot of shit. And you have Paul Gallon. Thankfully, he's not playing, but he's always moaning about everything, you know, like. Um, just, I, I just like to mention that not for a minute am I pretending that the Legion of Faithful Blue and Gold fans would be well-mannered if we won a premiership any time in the near future. <laughs> There's um 30-plus years of pent-up aggression, uh, passive, you know, anger, all those little bar, um, uh, jibes and barbs that, you know, all supporters sent to us. We're going to, like the Dragons when they won it in 2010, we're going to go nuts over the rest of the competition when we finally win. We're going to be putting a lot of shit in everyone. So let's not take the high ground just to... There was a fair bit of that on Reddit uh, after the West Tigers game. You know, uh, have a look at the record, boys. <laughs> We're two and six. Uh, there's no need to uh, sort of forget your, um, well, check your privilege there, essentially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Andrew Fafita, we've got to stop him. He's had the most offloads in the comp. Um, however, he up. is prone to a fair few penalties. So we need to wrap the ball up. Um and minimise those offloads because he's sort of had a resurgence in the last two or three weeks uh, after, sorry, coming off that injury, um, although I don't think he sat out any time. No, they were talking about a season-ending injury, and then he got the scans, and it turns out it was nowhere near as bad as initially thought, so I don't think he missed a game. Mm, and he's certainly um, come back think, to form. Yeah, but um, if Andrew Fafita is sort of your 1A threat to put a, a lid on, I think his partner in crime in the front row and Jaden Brow is the other guy you really want to be watching He's a very crafty young hooker and has, um, you know, done plenty of good for Cronulla across the last, uh, two seasons. So if you can get, keep, um, those two on a short leash, you know, you've got a real, really good chance of, you know, scoring a good win. Yeah. It's just, um, you never know what, uh, Matt Moylan, he hasn't been playing well this year, but he seems to fire up against us. Matt Moylan, um, the young just, Matt Moylan. He just, he just, he always plays a good game against us for some reason. Um, he could be having a terrible, terrible year and then just turns up against Parramatta. Um, Wade Graham, I think, still has to pass a fitness test I read somewhere. Yeah, he's injured hamstring, so it's pending a fitness test. If he's out, then Sorensen will come into the second row and young Kurt Dillon will come onto the bench. Yeah, so... Are we just going to start calling the entire crowd lineup young? Is that the thing? <laughs> well, they're all perpetually young now that Matt Moreland's uh, given them the, the, the magic youth juice. Oh, yeah, I was going to say I was going to I was going to work the arm um, the peptide. It is going to say isn't it, uh, it's it's not um Flanagan anymore now. It's more than come through with it. <laughs> well, perhaps not uh, juice, more um, of a powdered substance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, does it come in pill form too? Or <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> um, speaking speaking of the game, uh, what do you reckon that Tim Manor can make it four for four for um 150 meter plus games? After that, yeah, the resurgence the of Tim Raiders. Banner. Yeah, starting with the Canberra Raiders, then against Penrith and the West Tigers, I think he cracked 150 metres or thereabouts. 
Well, I've been going pretty good without making a prediction, and we've won the past two, and I haven't made a prediction, so I'm not saying anything. Shut up in your face, then. <laughs> we'll, we'll get on to predictions in a sec, but the other uh, one I want thing I wanted to highlight was uh, their yardage out of uh, their own end wow. with their big boys, Fecky wow. and Eddie Lee. So um, we need to put a stop on that. We seemed to do that uh, last week against two uh, big wingers um, from the West Tigers, and, of course, Mahe Fanua with that atrocious haircut. Um, yeah. Oh, what was that memo we, I posted earlier? Can we can we talk about how you you appointed me your two IC of this of this um podcast just before we started today, and then you just <laughs> left me hanging there, man. I, I tried to lay you up with a Tim Manor sort of you know a factoids thing, and you just left me hanging, man. I think we need to have yeah, a, a talk about this, Hamish. We can have that off the podcast. I um, trusted you, so, brother. So, from a Mitchell at <laughs> at tyhr blue. On um on Twitter, my Hayfenua's haircut looks a bit like an NRL Bulldogs contract. Hashtag heavily back ended. <laughs> Hamish Hamish will put the link for the tweet in the the tweet for the podcast itself for those that don't want to search. It's a great it's a great little um NRL meme slash sledge. Meme. Meme. That's what I said. I thought it was a meme. I didn't say meme. Um, meme. All right. Well, pronounce meme. Don't get bogged down on this. It's meme. <laughs> don't don't do this. Is that a meme? It's a meme. <laughs> it's a meme. It's a meme. <laughs> Go on. All right, on on to predictions, and I'll just start with um with uh, PM. He's uh, sent me his, which is he's tipping para eighteen ten first try score attacker Aggie, and beyond that, um, I'll, I'll plug him a little bit later. Birdie, your predictions. Yeah, uh, Parramatta the win, um, twenty six to ten. First try scorer would be uh, George Jennings. Yeah, that, and I, I reckon we're going to get a penalty in the first twenty minutes. You know, that's going to be a big turnaround from the last time we played them. But yeah, that's my other prediction. So no penalty in the fifty eighth minute mark then. <laughs> um, Sorry, what we... the, you cut it. Did I miss something? Yeah, I said no. I, I, I said no penalty in the fifty-eighth minute, Bertie. Oh, no. I feel your pain, Bertie. Hamish always cuts out for me when he's trying to tear me up for these sections. <laughs> and and yeah. just on that, that's why, in- that's why I don't pay attention half the time during the podcast. But, you, <laughs> but the viewers, they should pay attention. You know, I can slide, but the viewers have to pay attention to this. <laughs> Spit that fire, it's all about you the tell viewers. the truth. For all and- the listeners out there, you better be paying attention. Bertie has spoken. Yeah. Oh, listeners, yeah, viewers, listeners, they're all... <laughs> it's all the same. It's all, they're all the same. Of course, Rod has to get, you know, you know, what is it? The... <laughs> okay, this is quickly uh, running off the tracks. I just wanted to say um, our discipline in the last couple of weeks has been uh, a lot better, and we seem to have get, uh, if not the rub of the green, at least an even share of penalties. Uh, especially last week, I saw a couple of Tigers fans blowing up, you know, saying that the rest <laughs> won us that game. Uh, I think you need to take those old uh, orange and black glasses off. Um, West Tigers just made too many errors at critical times. I know, uh, I know we had plenty of other issues in that first six weeks, but it's amazing what happens when you get a fair shake in a game, isn't it? Uh, against Manly and against I West. I don't even think you know? we had a fair shake in the game. I still reckon the refs were biased against us. We should have had about oh, 20 penalties, I reckon. <laughs> but the Tigers you know, one, were all over us in the ruck, all over you, us. You, we, We've we've gotten our foot in the door officiating wise in the last two weeks, 
And, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that we've looked a vastly improved team on top of what we've done, you know, psychologically with the team. So to get that monkey off our back from our own. Yeah. Well, so psychology, it's, it's, it's like anything. It's a combination of everything. Um, you know, playing tougher, playing more mentally resilient. The attitude is yeah, back. Absolutely. Uh, the resilience is back. Um, and then of course, from that, you're not defending an extra 10 sets. So you're not so gassed when you do get the ball in attack and everything's flowed a lot better. Um, but they need to keep it up this week. On to your predictions, 40. All righty. Uh, let's go something interesting. Parramatta, 22 to 8 winners. Uh, that's two penalty goals and a try for Cronulla oh. on that eight points. Um, first try scorer. First try scorer. Let's go Kayser. Let's go with the, the, the Kayser Pritchard project taken off for a third week in a row. He's going to score first try. And on to you, Ham. Um, well, I wasn't on last week, so I didn't make a prediction. And the week before, I'm a very superstitious person. I actually wore the same undies. They were washed. They were washed. I wore the same undies um, to our two wins. So uh, there'll be no predictions this week from me, unfortunately. I know the I know the listeners are, are crying in shame about that. But, yeah, no predictions because I'm very superstitious. I haven't made any for the two past weeks. Coincided with two wins, so no predictions. All right, and for me, I reckon we're going to get a Bevan French try again to start it all off. Um, if you remember that game, I think about two years ago, where he was absolutely on fire and um, scored. Ben, ben Barber was lucky not to have his ankle shattered. Well, that's exactly Papa right. Yeah, unfortunately for Papa Hughes. He's down in Melbourne system now, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he yeah. jumped down the Melbourne, yeah. Um, all right, and so that wraps up the predictions. Let's get into the plugs. Uh, firstly, I'll plug PM, which is his sportsfirstnambucca.com.au. You can catch him at Paramatters on Twitter. And don't forget to use the discount code uh, PARAPODCAST for 10% off all your orders and free shipping on orders over $100. He's got in those new um, Indigenous jerseys. Um, again, I, I, I'm not a particularly big fan of this year's design. I think there's a bit too much green in there, but it's a personal taste thing. And I've seen a lot of people that really love it. So um, each their own on that one. I think I've reached my jersey quota for the year. Um, on to Your you, week. Yeah, um, Twitter's Heaven one So over the weekend, the draft happened, and there's two things guaranteed in this. Roger Goodall, the idiot getting booed every time, and Cleveland doing a Cleveland. How they picked Baker Mayfield as number one it has me mind boggling. Mayfield, Mayfield apparently was at the top of a lot of draft boards for NFL executives. He was the, the NFL media had gone with Sam Darnold, but the the NFL executives preferred Baker Mayfield. If you if you look I, at it statistically, Mayfield uh, outranked all the other. Kids. Oh yeah, Mayfield Mayfield on efficiency and production was fantastic. And plus, he's um, not coming was, from USC, yeah, no. and there's been a lot of busts from USC. So yeah, so. Uh, Mayfield was, you know, if you look at the analytical side of it, which I know the Browns are big on, even with um, Sashi gone, uh, they they love that stuff, and apparently a lot of NFL Sashi. too. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they go because you know there's no excuses now for the Browns; they've got their QB, they've um, and they got their corner their... as well. That was a bit of a strange selection, but it was a need. Yeah, so I, I think I think that. with Bradley Chubb, Bradley Chubb on the board, they probably made the wrong call there. You know, pairing Chubb. It's up understandable with, um, though. Uh, Oh my God, Miles Garrett the Broncos. would have been you know, a real fierce instead of rushes okay. from the edges. But uh, yeah, they've got no more excuses. They've passed up on some you know top tier QBs in the last two drafts. Um, they've they've gone for their man now. It's time for them to you know not be god awful. It's it's just funny how they passed on Wentz, they passed on Watson, and you know what? Let's settle on Baker. Like, oh, I'm, I'm just. I like it. I I think I'm, he's got I'm he's just, got that. 
He's got that temperament that he, the, he wants to, to win. Yeah. And, like, if you've seen all the crap that he's done, you know, when he's come into those final series, was it last year, where he said, you know, that, that he was given so much, um, people giving him so much crap and told him that they'd never make it. And then he was coming in with signs and whatever else saying, yeah. we can't yeah. be here or something oh, like he's that. Got, he's got a, definitely got an arrogant streak to him, Baker, but he's the know, moxie. Talk the talk and he's walked the walk. So I'm, I'm going to follow the Browns of interest this yeah, I don't think they'll be going 0 and 16 this year. <laughs> and it was tough being a Cowboys fan at the draft. Everybody absolutely roasted them all week. <laughs> <laughs> the Philly kicker. The Philly kicker. Yeah. Oh. And Drew that great is the OG. Like everyone else is just cringes. You know, like they're just. Well, we've got a kicker. Pearson, like the water boy is more relevant than the kicker. You know, Pearson, like Pearson roasted nothing. the shit out of Philly in Philly at the draft last year. So maybe oh. that's a sign for um for Dallas. Yeah. It just showed that this guy, this whatever his name is, he was burned Akers. for a whole year because he prepped this speech the whole time. They, they, it's unfortunate they his balls Birdie. didn't drop and his voice Birdie. didn't break, but you know, Birdie. it's alright. Birdie, they won the Super Bowl, man. Like, they can talk as much shit on Dallas as they want. They won the big dance. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> and that's Fuck right, you know. Quinella. And, and that's right, you know, a lot of the, the draft picks oh, um, weren't even born the last time Cowboys won a uh, Super Bowl, so. No, I'll actually, a... one of them was actually born there, Hayden Hurst. She's 25 oh, years old. Oh, 25 years old, yeah. One, one David Akers, <laughs> get fucked. I'll give a shout-out. <laughs> while, while, while we're off NRL topic here, I'll give a quick shout-out to PM because he's um, Utah Jazz won their first week series, uh, first round series in the finals, and they've gone through to play. Uh, God, who are they playing? I don't know. They lost the first game, though. Golden State, I think, maybe. So they're they're um, into the next round of the finals. And forty your plugs. Uh I'm forty twenty. You can catch me uh at the Cumberland Throw. Um plenty of people blog there, lots of cool stuff. We're also on Twitter at Eels T C T. Don't be afraid to hit us up and, you know, send a comment our way. Um yeah, plenty plenty of cool stuff happening at the club's winning and winning across all levels. So we've got lots of um uh fun blogs to read and you know, different analysis, different game blogs. So um, hit us up, whether it's at the site or on Twitter. And just quickly, I want to take it up with Miach or Mitch um, in his post-grade uh, comments on Michael go. Jennings saying that he was the ninja. Um, you know, get, get get your looking eyes out because I, I said that straight after the game that Michael Jennings was one of the standouts doing that hard rut work out from our end. And um, some big and hits to a defense. Yeah, yeah, well, both I'd, him and for George. Better or, for better or worse, post-game grades are always the most controversial uh, topic on TCT and it tends to generate the most discussion. Um, grades are obviously a very subjective manner, uh, of, of, uh, of blogging, but it, it's good fun. I know that. Mitch oh, I don't, I don't paint. Want a few, um, a few shots for his, um, his grades and he's had to change a few grades every now and then too. So. I don't worry too much about the grading. I, I just read through the commenting on, <laughs> on what his comments are from, from the actual game. And I thought the ninja out there, I, you know, every time you get to see Michael Jennings taking those, uh, tough, Rucks right into to you know the mouth of the Tigers' defence and um, usually making a couple of metres post contact as well. Um, same for George yeah, Jennings and as well Jim just touching on that Bevan French too taking some of those tough carries as well, which is a great return to form. He was obviously either needled up um, or yeah, they, shoulder they said a bit better. They they did mention in coverage if you got the catch a replay uh, that the needle went wrong um, for Bevan against Canberra. And immediately, like as soon as he took the field, apparently he got the pain coming back in the shoulder, which has um, led to that you know genuine trepidation when it came to contact. So uh, that's that's what um, played out in the nation's capital three weeks ago. Yeah, and I think most people with a bit of eyes for anal- 
um, you know, for the football, could def- definitely tell that, you know, it was it was an injury cause. Bevan's never sort of shirked from his responsibilities, either at fullback or on the wing. Um, he's always taken that ball up and, you know, even though he's a smaller frame, um, done the tough work. So um, I think you've got to sort of look over the course of his career to say, well, wait a minute, that's not the usual. So what's the reason? Yeah, exactly. Either he's completely changed his game or, um, <laughs> you know, there's, you know, takes a, take an Occam's razor approach to it. What's the most likely or, um, or BA lost the dressing room. Don't forget that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's pass on that and on to him. Uh, yep, as always on Twitter at hamsandwich22, get uh, hashtag ban the penalty goal trending on trending worldwide because um, no one likes a penalty goal. No one wants to see. We want to see tries. I, I don't know. Canal have the penalty goal, mate. Nah, <laughs> nah. Piss off, 40. Um, the band, well, there's a couple of things this week. The band or the, the artist that I'm going to promote is Alaska. Uh, she's a, a pop pop singer from Sydney. Putting on some, um, putting out some very good music, and also I'll be playing my first gig in about hey. four years. I'm nice. filling in because <laughs> a band that I know um, have had a falling out with their bass player, so I'm filling in um, in a couple I'll of weeks' the time. They're, it's they're called Bolin. I've pr- uh, promoted them before. It's on the 18th. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's on the 18th of May at the Captain Cook Hotel in Paddington. Um, I think you get tickets online. Um, but yeah, I'll be playing. I'll be absolutely loving it because I haven't been on stage in a very long time. I'll be absolutely stoked. Um, so come and support a fellow Parramatta supporter and listen to listen to some good music that night. Before How smashed are you going to be before you get on stage? <laughs> I am going to be wrecked because I'm going to be nervous as fuck. Liquid courage. <laughs> now, now, Ham, before Sorry, we you're go, only playing bass, think- so. Ooh, oh, before before we go, <laughs> yeah. I think I think we need to talk about what Hamish did in your absence last week, mate. Did um, you actually listen your to plugs the pod? Have always been have always been about promoting in the indie sort of. Uh, he didn't even listen to the pod, so it doesn't matter. And <laughs> and in your absence, Hamish went for the killers. Like, I just said I've been listening to their new song. I think we need to talk about this. You could have went even low key like Drake or something, you know. He did not. He did not promote the killers. He did not promote you or plug you in the spirit of what you do, and I I took exception to that. (laughs) Um, Killers good, indie uh, Australian bands are better. How's that? Well, let's put that to bed. (laughs) 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 All right, well, let's wrap this up. And you can catch us at Parapodcast on Twitter and forward slash Parapodcast on Facebook. And just lastly, I'll get in for a bit of NFL draft uh, talk. Uh, Brian, good to cast, uh, did a really good draft for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, (laughs) You robbed robbed New Orleans blind, I reckon. I think we did. Superstar. Yeah, we drafted down from 14 uh, right down to 20-something and then back up to 18 and took uh, Alexander, a really good quarterback, uh, sorry, cornerback. Cornerback. And then, of course, um, Jackson as well as another corner in the second round um, and then picked up three wide receivers. Usually if you're taking a wide receiver after the first round, you've got about a a 20 to 30% chance on, on one of them actually showing up. So hopefully one of them will... Will turn out all right. I think we took two linebackers, um, a punter in the fifth round. I didn't quite like that, but it makes a bit of um. Yeah, we uh, got the best punter though. We got the. Yeah, you did, and then of course uh, a long snapper as well, which we sort of missed last year. 
Um, so fingers crossed that can put a couple of pieces around our uh, generational quarterback and um, see how we go next season. Um, nice and of course, thing is, Hamish, that we're trade brothers now. That's right, we are trade brothers. <laughs> you also got that uh, Shaquem Griffin guy for Seattle. Yeah, so. that's one of the one I of was cool just about stories. to touch on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, do you, want, do you want to run through that for you? It's kind of the draft. Yeah. So, um, last year, the Seattle Seahawks, my team, drafted um, Shaquille Griffin, a cornerback out of um, UCF, which is um, Central Florida. Um, so, he's a really good young player. Um, it turns out he has a twin brother, Shaquem Griffin. So, they go by Keem and Kill because obviously got Shaq as their first part of their names together. Um, and Shaquem had a, a rare condition, uh, which was uh, prenatal. When he came out, um, when he was in the womb, his umbilical cord wrapped around his hand and, um, did significant nerve damage. So when he came out, um, he couldn't do anything with his, um, left hand, I believe it is, um, without triggering like ridiculous waves of pain. When he was four years old, they amputated it and he spent the rest of his life, obviously, with only one hand. Um, he's pretty much defied odds at every level. Um, he's played, uh, he was a star in high school football, a star in college football, and now he's been drafted in the NFL in the fifth round by my team after a standout performance at the, um, NFL combine. Uh, it's just a, it's an incredible story. And, um, I, if you jump online, there's plenty of media, um, following his journey to the NFL draft. So, um, and I, if you're any sort of, um, tear jerker like I can be, um, you probably shed a few tears, um, getting emotional watching it. But um, it's definitely one of the coolest things to watch for the upcoming NFL season is how Shaquem um, develops in the NFL. That and um, Ryan Shazier walking yes, through the Pittsburgh. Also, that was one of the best moments I've seen in a draft. That that was bittersweet because it's, it's, a, it's a precautionary story about you know the dangers of playing professional sport. But Shazier, yeah. you know, by no right should be walking at this point in time in his recovery. So that was incredible. That shows, you know, his immense willpower and determination to, you know, get back his quality of life. And so, just yeah, one very, last very thing cool on issues. on the Griffin brothers, the older one that, uh, well, the other twin that you drafted last year, um, he refused to go to a college program. He could have got yes, into some that, of the bigger leagues and unless his brother was uh, taken into the program got a, as well. Got, got taken and they both got scholarships, yeah. And, um, so, Shaquem, um, who plays linebacker, ended up being the, um, that conference's defensive player of the year in 2016. And, um, for those that follow the college scene, uh, the UCF, I think it's the Knights, is it? Um, the Central Florida team that he played, uh, University of Central Florida that he played for went undefeated, um, across their entire college season, um, crowned themselves national championship, uh, winners because the college, uh, playoff our board wouldn't pick him for the actual college playoffs, which is an archaic system. Yeah, it's um, and if bad. you watch their, yeah, if you watch their, I think it's the Peach Bowl. They played Auburn, who was one of the, the top teams that year. You know, was borderline national championship contenders. Um, he was the best player on the field in that game, and um, they won a thrilling. I think it was thirty-four, uh, thirty or something win. It was a ridiculous game, and um, he was everywhere. So fantastic athlete, incredibly humble kid. And I'm um, one of the coolest sporting stories you're going to see coming across, you know, the next year or so. And uh, probably in bad taste, but he'll never be called for holding. Yeah, <laughs> but um, if if he does end up, you know, being MVP of the game, you know, that he won the game single handedly for the team. All right. Well, I think we might wrap it up there for Parrot. Oh, come on, come on. Week. He won. He won the game single handedly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got it, and I decided oh, yeah. to ignore it. <laughs> I hate you guys. High five. <laughs> Oh, I'm not. All right. I'm just no, fist, so uh, fist bump. All right. Um, 
We'll finish that up there for this week. Uh, fingers crossed for the boys on Saturday night against the Sharks. Uh, it's another really big test after the West Tigers game. Hopefully they can take some more confidence out of that win than they did out of Manly game because it was a tough uh, affair against West, who, uh, whilst they weren't great in their ball handling, uh, they made up for it, their resilience and um, their will to win as well. They certainly didn't go away. Um, so we'll need that effort again this week to try get one over the Sharks down at the clink. Um, so enjoy your rugby league this weekend, and hopefully the Harold Matz boys get a win in the grand final. Hopefully the Eels will get a win in the first game. I thought I heard something wrong there. Oh, yeah. gosh. Okay. Three, three and six on Sunday, boys. Let's go. Let's go. Three and six. Catch you later. Next one, boys. See you, later. See you guys. We raise our voices to the sky, so we're